Tonight. Father, we love you, Lord. We come to you one more time, God. And uh, Lord, thank you for the opportunity that we have, Lord, to be here again tonight. I pray, Lord, that you'd help me tonight. I pray, God, you'd use me for thy glory and for thy honor. Lord, this church and uh, God, myself, Lord, we all need to hear from you tonight. Lord, may the word of God go forth and lodge into the hearts of those who are here. God, this is real life application stuff, Lord. This is uh, things that we all must face and deal with. So, uh, God, I pray, Lord, that we not just hear with our ears, but, Lord, we determine and make up our minds and in our hearts, Lord, uh, God, that we'll not just be hearers of the Word tonight, but, God, we'll be doers. And what you say and do here in this place, through me and for me and in me, Lord, I'll thank you and praise your name. For it's in Jesus' name we ask and pray. And all of God's people say Amen. You may be seated here tonight. I'll briefly go through kind of what we mentioned Sunday and we'll move on. By way of introduction tonight, I do want to remind you it is here uh, in the Psalms, the book of Psalms, where the psalmist David has penned a prayer from his own heart unto God. May I say it is here in this particular psalm that the format is that, in fact, of a prayer. And David has made a solemn address to God at a time when he's been brought low through and by the malice of his own enemies. May I say as a matter of fact, there had been many times in David's life, we talked about it Sunday, uh, that this psalm could have applied. I begin to think this uh, this afternoon before I came uh, over in Psalm chapter number 23 what David said. Uh, the Lord just spoke it to me. I'll read it to you. I know it, but I don't want to misquote it. Psalm 23. Listen what David said. We all know the 23rd Psalm. He said this. He said, The Lord is my shepherd shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. Thy rod and Thy staff, they comfort me. Listen to verse 5. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I begin to contemplate and think about how David knew what it was to have an enemy. But he also said in this 23rd Psalm, he said, Thou preparest a table before for me in the presence of mine enemies. The Lord spoke this to my heart today and until you get to a place uh, where you form some enemies for the cause of Christ, uh, you'll never find yourself in fellowship uh, sitting at the table with Christ. Uh, uh, my friend, if you're going to sit at the table, you can mark her downtown. Now listen to me. You can mark her down. You're going to have some enemies. Uh, uh, can I say just as the Lord Jesus would do, uh, David now takes his predicament and his, uh, his, his pressure, his problem with the enemy and appeals himself to God just as Christ would do. He is solely dependent upon his heavenly Father for triumph and for victory. May I say when it comes to those who oppose you and those who have set out to consume you, the best response will always be to turn towards God. How many of y'all 
would say amen that when you take matters into your own hands, you mess everything up. You'll dig a hole that was already there. You'll dig it deeper. You'll make a ditch that was already wide, wider. You will cause your problems to multiply when you try to handle them on your own. As Christians, our mindset ought to be like the Lord Jesus was. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Can I say, I said it Sunday, but a good motto to live by is the battle is thine, O Lord, not mine. The battle is thine, O Lord, not mine. May I remind you, David's a king. Everybody looks up to David. Most everybody, uh, most everybody respected David and adored him and revered him. But here in our text, it is not those that are looking up to David that's the problem. It's those who are looking down on David. That's the problem. His enemies have came against him. If anybody had the power and the means and the and the manpower and the strength and the majesty to overcome an enemy, we would think it would be the king. After all, he's the most powerful man throughout all the kingdom. But my friend, may I say, even the kings and the princes and the presidents are not exempt from the enemies that God, only God can help them with. Can I say tonight, it's here that the Lord began to reveal the importance to me about being a godly example before our enemies. Verse number 8 said, Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of mine enemies. Make thy way straight before my face. It's there where the word of God enlightens the hearts of men concerning the importance of being a godly example before your enemies. Let me ask you something this, this evening. Can you honestly say, looking back over however long it's been since you faced a real enemy, that you left a godly example before your enemies? I'm talking about people that done you wrong. Talking about people that did not care what you thought, how you felt. They were only worried about themselves. They were only worried about what they could gain or what they could benefit. They didn't care about your loss. They, they didn't care about your damage. They didn't care about your hurt. Hey, how many of y'all know what I'm talking about? People hurt you, turn around, walk off singing a song. They could care less. I mean, did you really leave a godly example before your enemy? It's a whole lot easier preached than lived, as I said Sunday. But we must learn how to live this way. We must learn how to live. You'll never be more like Christ than to be on that short end of the stick, if you will. You'll never be more like Christ than to be persecuted, ridiculed, made fun of, lied on, mocked, spat upon. May I say the, the, the best way to be like Jesus is to not just endure it, but endure it with a good testimony. Be a godly example. Can you imagine how them soldiers must have felt? They had crucified many people. They had beat many people. They had spit upon many men. They had hit them over the head and they'd beat them with a cat of nine tails, but never, not one time in their career, had they ever beat a man that did not say something. Not one time did they ever pluck a man's beard out that he did not try to retaliate. Not one time had they ever pulled his hair and punched him in the face without him attempting to gain some kind of repercussion and to do something in return. But on this day, they knew without a doubt something's different about that man. 
That's the way the world ought to look at you and me. When we blow up, we're just like them. When we retaliate, we're just like them. When we cuss them back, we're just like them. When we throw a temper tantrum, we're just like them. When we pour our hair out and go to the boss and raise all kinds of fuss, we're just like them. Somebody needs to just bow your head and walk away in holiness and humility and prove to them that the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob, He's still the God today and He lives inside of you and me today. He lives in us. The only way, listen, you can sing hallelujah, amen, amazing grace. When everything's going your way, you don't impress those who are against you. But when they see you walking through the fiery furnace and all of a sudden they realize God didn't get you out of the fire but He got in the fire with you, that's when they'll turn their head. When they throw you in a den of lions and they come back the next day expecting you to be devoured. But there you are sitting in the middle at one of the deepest pits of your life and you should have been breakfast, dinner, and lunch. But my friend, you're sitting there with victory. That's when they'll turn their head. Oh, my friend, oh, even Elijah, one of the greatest men of God in the Old Testament even we've seen Elijah got to a point where he said God I've done all I can do there's nobody with me there's nobody for me there's nobody to help me and he crawled up under a juniper tree and he said Lord take away my life but even in his weakest moment God reminded him no there's 7,000 other men who have not bowed their knee to bow just press on somebody's watching you somebody's watching you You can tell them all you want you're a Christian and as long as your life's going good, they ain't paying no mind to that. But as soon as everything around you crashes down, that's when they're going to see what kind of faith you really got. I found that many people strive to do right because of those who are looking up to them. I said it Sunday, I want to do right because I know you need me to do right. But then, here's the real reason you ought to do right. Not just for those who are looking up to you, but you have a Heavenly Father that expects you to do right. You ought to do right for Him. And then, I said, then we find this group of people that they do right for others and they'll do right for God. But then when their enemies approach them, they forget about everything uh, that they have learned and they could care less what the enemy thinks. Can I tell you today, even your your worst enemy needs somebody to tell them and show them about the love of Jesus Christ. It could be you, the one thereafter. It could be you that changes their mind on who Jesus is. So we said all this and much more last Sunday in introduction. I said, Lord, help us to follow more and represent Him more and walk in His will, His works, His ways more. Because, verse number 8, notice with me and we're moving on. Because, because of mine enemies. He didn't say, lead me, Lord, away from my enemies. Are you all with me tonight? I know you worked all day and you're tired and wore out, but stay with me for just a little bit. He didn't say, Lord, lead me away from my enemies or Lord, lead me around my enemies. Oh no. He said just, Lord, I just need you to lead me because of my enemies. He didn't say necessarily, God, take me out of their sight and out of their range and out of their uh, ability to reach me, but rather, Lord, help me to walk after you because of them. Leave a godly example. David is right for wanting to be righteous. David here sounds a whole lot like the Lord Jesus to me. Okay, let me, let me move on. Just a reminder. The enemy is watching you. You realize you've got enemies, you don't know who they are. 
but they're watching you. They're waiting for you to mess up. They're waiting for you to fall. They're waiting for you to slip up. They're waiting for you to get out of the will of God. They're waiting for you to say something bad, do something bad, think something bad, try something bad. I mean, the enemy is a roaring, real life, roaring lion. Uh, number one, the enemy Satan, and he is a roaring lion. He's walking to and fro. He's doing, he's doing whatever he wants, seeking whom he may devour. Listen to me tonight on a Wednesday night. I need you to hear me now. If you'll help me, this go a whole lot better than me trying to do it all by myself. Uh, can I remind you that the devil is still alive and he's still well everything hey he's still got power he's not been binded he's not been bound he's he's not been thrown the lake of fire he's still destroying lives he's still taking the purity of teenagers he's still messing up marriage he's still devouring the lives of those who have no hope he's still trying to mess up churches he's still trying to divide churches he's still trying to mess up the order of our homes. He's still trying to mess up the order of our church. He's still alive and he's doing what he's always done. Quit taking a nap and realize we must deal with the enemy. There's a real enemy. We're going to have to deal with him. We're going to have to deal with him. He always scouts before he shoots. No doubt David's life had been filled with people who looked up to him, honored him, reverenced him. But now... His life is filled with people who are looking down on Him, disrespecting Him, disregarding Him. You won't have to live for Jesus very long. You'll figure out your life will be the same way. So what do we do about all this? Well, Sunday, I want to remind you and then we'll move on. Sunday, I said, notice first of all, how can you stand before your enemies as a godly example? Number one, we see David's prayerful plea. David makes a prayerful plea in verse number 1, 2, and 3. He said, Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King, my God. For unto thee will I pray. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. David's prayerful plea. May I say, the best way to deal with your problems and problem makers is through and by the avenue and the, and the, and the availability of prayer. It is here where the psalmist David has made a beeline to the throne room of God. Can I remind you that prayer is one of the greatest weapons of spiritual warfare. I don't understand why mankind is so quick to rant, vent, and gossip about their problems at the people who the very ones, some of them are causing them when we've got a direct line to the throne room. I'm glad somebody ought to shout and act like you're glad that God tore the veil and God ripped the temple and God entered into the holiest of holies and he made a direct way for you and I to fall on our face and gain access to the throne room of God he prays what, what can you do how can you remain a godly example before your enemies well there's a prayerful plea uh, there's a prayerful plea that David makes. I, I want to say a few things about this prayerful plea. Number one, David pleads for God's attention in verse 1 and 2. He said, Give ear to my words. Consider my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry. May I say, may I say instead of begging for the attention of men, he begs for the attention of God. Listen to me. Men can only help you so far and so long. But when the enemy's really fighting you, you can mark her down, honey, there is one that can give you help when nobody else 
else can. And there is one that can make a way of escape when nobody else can. And there is one who can drive the storm when nobody else can. Take time to make a prayerful plea unto God asking for his attention. Secondly, David's prayerful plea, we find David proclaims his authority. In verse 1 and 2, give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King. David not only asks for God's attention, but he proclaims God's authority. He calls him, O Lord, my King and my God. He knew if anybody was going to be able to help him, it was God and God alone. May I say, David proclaims God's authority. By the way, even the devils believe and tremble at the name above all names. And that is the name of Jesus. Hear me now. I need somebody to help me on a Wednesday night. I'm glad I not only know His name, but I'm in His name and I've gained His nature. I'm an heir to God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. In my prayerful plea, I can not only ask for His attention, I can proclaim His authority. Amen. 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 Thirdly, in His prayerful plea, David prioritizes His appearance. He prioritizes his spirit. Look at verse 3. My voice shalt thou hear in the wind. In the what? Is anybody looking? We're going to have to do Father Abraham, I guess. My voice shalt thou hear in the... I had about four of you. My voice shalt thou hear in the... You know what that says? Before anything else. Let me tell you how you all start your day. I try this as soon as my eyes pop open. First thing I do is thank God that I didn't exit out of this world and I still got my family and my house didn't burn down. And I thank you for another day of life. As soon as I come to my senses in the morning and I wake up and realize that I'm still here and I look over My family's still here. My house is still intact. My heart's still beating. First thing I try to do as soon as I wake up, I say, thank you, Lord. You know what you ought to do each and every day before you do anything else? Go to Him in prayer. David said, my voice wilt thou hear in the morning. He prioritizes his appearance before God. Can I say, David knew in order to keep a testimony and be a godly example before the enemy, he had to spend prioritized time with God. Can I say, the more time you spend with God, the more you'll be like God. The reason some people don't know how to be a Christian is they don't know much about Christ. All they know was that he was died, that he lived a sinless life. He died on the cross, was put in a tomb and resurrected on the third day, ascended to his father, and he's coming. Oh, that's good. That's the gospel. It's the power of the salvation. But there's so much more to Jesus than just that. And if you'll know him, you'll learn to be like him. You'll learn to live like him. Christians can't be like Christ of whom they know nothing about. David prioritizes his appearance before God. Secondly, we see David's powerful persuasion. Verse 4 and verse 6, verse 4, For thou art not a God that hath pleasure 
in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with thee. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. In other words, Lord, an enemy of mine is an enemy of thine. Not because they hate me, but because they hate you, Lord. In other words, David said, God, I need to leave a godly example before mine enemies. And the only way I can do that, Lord, is just give them to you, God. It's not me that they're against, Lord. It's not just a personal. Listen, listen to me, friends. Quit making all your problems personal problems. Let me tell you what all problems stem from, spiritual problems. Are you listening to me? All problems stem from spiritual problems. Well, so-and-so, you know, they just can't keep my name out of their mouth. You want to know why? We're taking it personal. They're not right with God. If they were right with God, they wouldn't be gossiping about you. Well, is anybody going to help me tonight? I'm trying to help you live. I'm trying to help you in your life when it comes to your enemies. They're always spiritual problems. But David is persuaded. There's a powerful persuasion. He said, Lord, you ain't got pleasure in wickedness. Neither shall evil dwell with thee. In verse 5, he said, The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Here it is. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. Now that ain't, you ain't going to hear that at the Peace Prosperity table bubblegum sucker lollipop. Amen. Cotton candy eating unicorn church. But God hates workers of iniquity. Well, you shouldn't hate these things. These six things that the Lord hate. Proud look, lying tongue. I mean, so on. It goes on. There are things that God hates. And if He hates them, I want to hate them too. He hates all workers of iniquity. Are you listening to me tonight? There ought to be some things you hate. You ought to hate sin. I didn't say the sinner. But you ought to hate sin. I, I listen to me. We ought to hate what's going on in our country. Come on, somebody. We ought to hate looking around and seeing what's taking place in the supposedly the land of the free and the home of the world. There's some things I hate in this old world. David's powerfully persuaded. Verse 6, Thou shalt destroy them. That speak least, and the Lord will abhor the bloody and deceitful man. In other words, God, you said you'd take care of men like the men uh, of people uh, that are after me. These same kind of people, Lord, you said you'd destroy. How can you remain godly? Quit trying to defeat your enemy and let God defeat them. Let God destroy them. Don't set out to destroy them. Let God destroy them. He'll get the final say so. I ain't got time to re preach all that. Thirdly, Thirdly, I think that's where I left off. <clears throat> Thirdly, I want to say this. How are you going to be a godly example before your enemies? Not only do we see uh, these other things, but thirdly, we see David's purposeful plan. He has a plan. Let me ask you something. What is your plan to deal with the enemy? What is your plan to remain godly before your enemy? Some of y'all ain't got a plan, and that's why when the enemy comes up, you're going to operate off the cuff here. Next thing you know, you've made a fool of yourself. David has a plan. Look at verse 7. 
verses 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6, we find that David's went to God. His enemies are deceitful. His enemies are wicked. Does everybody see that in those verses? In verse 4, they're wicked. They're evil. Verse 5, they're foolish. Verse uh, 5, they're workers of iniquity. Verse 6, they're motor mouse. Uh, verse 6, they're deceitful. And then in verse 7, David says, But as for me, I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy. David's got a purposeful plan. I'm glad, thank God, I can stand here tonight and ought to have some people help me right here while the world is tied up in wickedness and the world is tied up in evil and the world is tied up being ungodly and unrighteous and they're deceitful and they're gossipers and they're backbiters and they're murderers and liars and thieves and they're abominable. Thank God I can say verse number 7 but as for me I'm not going that route tonight. Thank Him. Thank His holy name. But as for me I will. It's here where David right in the middle of the battle right in the middle of the fields of conflict when he's being targeted by his enemies we find David says but as for me, despite the pain, despite the problems, despite the people, despite the perversion, despite the pursuit of the enemy, I have a plan. May I say the issue with most Christians is that they entangle themselves with their problems and never think to create a plan. My friend, you will fail to be a godly example before your enemies when your focus is on the enemy and not things of eternity. Can I say, if you're focused on all that your enemy's doing, you've lost focus of the only thing that matters. Is anybody with me tonight? If all you can do is focus on the enemy, I can tell you one you've lost sight of. And if you ain't looking to him, you ain't going to look like him. I'm going to say it again. Y'all taking a nap on me tonight. If you ain't looking to him, you ain't going to look like him. When you're looking at your enemy, guess who you're going to act like? You ever heard this? Don't stoop to their level. Let me tell you, you're going to stoop to their level every time if you ain't looking up. You're going to get down on the turf where they are if you ain't looking up. There's only one way to remain a godly example before your enemies. There must be a purposeful plan. He said, but as for me, Lord, they can cuss and fuss. They can stir up trouble. They can cause strife and division and envy and jealousy and bitterness and, and grudging. They can do it. But as for me, I'm looking up. I'm looking to you, Lord. That's why our churches have turned into clubs. That's why our preachers have turned into spiritual politicians. Today's generation of Christianity has got to a place where they have became tired of the opposition of the enemy so they've given up and became just like them. You all know what the devil wants for this church? The opposite of everything we are. You all know why people that used to preach like I'm preaching have stopped? They got tired of fighting the enemy. They got tired of people getting upset and leaving. They got tired of people getting upset and going down the road to another church. They got tired of being the talk of the town that they're, they're bigots and hatred. And they got tired of fighting the enemy. Bless God Almighty, I've done so to my heart until my last breath of the Lord Jesus comes puts me in a wedding. I'm not giving in to the enemy. I'll fight like hell until I die to make sure that somebody stands opposition to the devil. 
You must stand. You won't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. That's why our services have turned into social gatherings. These churches that are like this, they used to not, a lot of them used to not be that way. What happened? They got tired of fighting. They got tired of people getting mad. and They got tired of this one leaving. They got tired of that one going over there. And they got tired of this one starting trouble. They got tired of having to deal with people's sin. Let me tell you something on a real, on a real pastor's life. It does get weary. And weary is someone you've got to constantly go back and re-say and redo and redo. I mean, all the same things concerning sin. I mean, it does get tired. It tires when members of the church do the same things over and over and over but my God that's part of it I've got to stand and keep fighting for you and for me and for him amen a lot of these places preachers and people who have conformed didn't start that way they just gave out and gave in I've had people say this to me well literally I've had them say it you know it's nearly impossible to see your church grow as long as you stand against sin and preach the way you do I've had people tell me that. I've had people tell me, well, it's impossible. You've got to modernize your music and your methods. They say keep the message the same. Let me tell you something. I can't keep the same message when I modernize music and methods. Because music and methods change the message. I'm going to sink a plow. Somebody don't help me. I mean, I can't do like they're doing. All right, preacher, what's wrong with their music? What's wrong with their methods? Well, their methods are, we're going to tippy-toe around everybody's sin so we don't upset them. Their methods are, Jesus loves you. Yes, He does. Jesus died for you. Yes, He did. Jesus will forgive you. Yes, He will. Jesus can restore you. Yes, He can. But they're forgetting that He said that He hates all workers of iniquity. They leave out the part to repent of your sin. They leave out the part that you're a new creature in Christ. All things are passed away all things become new. They leave out the part that you must live separated and sanctified. They leave out the part uh, that, 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 that teaches you to live a Christ-centered life. They just tell you what you know you want to hear and then they leave it, leave it alone. Their music, what is it? Listen to me folks, music is a, is a serious deal and I've not dealt with it as much as I should lately. But music is serious deal. You know what the Bible said? Speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody unto the Lord. You know what a song does? It indoctrinates you. It does. It teaches you. Man. Can I say, why, 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 do you, why do you just stick with the old hymns? I mean, there's new songs out there. There are. But let me, let me, let me give you an example why we do. Let me find one I know here. 177, where's that at? I see. I think that's a blood song. Read, are you washed in the blood? Are you ready? I'm going to show you. Have you been to Jesus? Right. 90% of these modern songs have already been overcome with one word, and that's Jesus. Yep. Prove me wrong. That's some of them say His name, but not me. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace and Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you walking daily by the Savior's side? 
Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Do you rest each moment in the crucified? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Uh, when the bridegroom cometh, will your robes be white? Pure and white in the blood of the Lamb. Will your soul be ready for the mansion bride and be washed in the blood of the Lamb? Lay aside the garments that are stained with sin. Amen. And be washed in the blood of the Lamb. There's a fountain flowing for the soul unclean. All be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Doctrinated. They're doctrinal songs. They mention the blood. They mention sin. They mention Christ. All these new age songs. Listen, you can listen to them from start to finish and you won't know any difference if it's about Christ or about a love story because He's never mentioned. All it is is moral lyrics to world music. Go, I, I, I challenge you to go home, look at the soundtracks to these contemporary songs, but listen to the words. Just listen to the music and tell me it ain't something they play at the bar after this. Well, music, just music alone is not bad. Wrong, wrong, wrong. You know how David pushed away the evil spirits when he played the harp for Saul? was not my words, it was my music. Right. And it is simply music that can draw. Music is powerful. People don't even understand how powerful music is. And I ain't preached for a while. But music is very powerful. Just the music can draw an unholy, evil yes, presence, or it can push away an unholy and an evil presence. I don't know why they have singing at the start of service to prepare our hearts to do all that, but to try. It's, it's a form of cleansing. Pushes out all the evil, pushes out all the, and it draws in the presence of God. Now, I ain't gonna preach on music. I got, I can preach there for two hours, but I'm not going to. But what I am saying is this: the reason that they've conformed in their music and their methods is they got tired of fighting the enemy. They, instead of fighting it, they, they 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 adopted that mentality. If you can't beat them, join them. Is anybody gonna listen tonight? If you can't beat them, join them. Bless God Almighty. I'm here to tell you, I ain't joining that crowd. I ain't going that way. We're not dropping our standards. We're not dropping our convictions. We're not turning the lights out. We're not turning the fog machine on. I'm not losing my suit and tie, bless God. I don't like it, but I ain't losing it. I want to do my best to represent my Lord and my Savior, Jesus Christ. But wearing a tie make me a preacher. Not a bit more than holding a wrench makes me a mechanic. But I do it so I can look good and represent Him. Amen. Nowadays, you walk in most churches, you can't tell who the preacher is. Man. You think he's one of the college students because he's got 15 bracelets on and skinny jeans and flip-flops and Hawaiian ice shirt and you don't have a clue who. My God, somebody needs to go back to the day when we, hey, I'm on a run. I'm running around. Somebody needs to go back to the day that we reverence the house of God and the man of God. I'm going to tell you why me and God have no respect. It's because they have not set themselves apart as men of God. Most of them ain't called. Most of them they ain't even saved. But thank God as long as I've got breath and blood and heartbeat, I'm going to do my dead level best to represent you and represent Him for the kingdom of God and for the cause of Christ. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing. I refuse to give in to the devil. Well, you know, if you want to get red face, sweat, and spit, you draw a bigger crowd. I sure would. But that's all I have, the crowd. I'm not trying to draw a crowd. I'm trying to see God build a church. I want people, when they come in here and they sit here and they join this church, to be real Christians out there. That's right. I believe that. 
You represent still one of Baptist Church that way. That's why not just anybody and everybody signs up around here. We don't have an open the door service for whoever or however can come and join this walk. Let me tell you something. Can I tell you tonight that to join a church is more than putting your name on a piece of paper. Can you join this place? And all of you that have joined this place, may I remind you as the pastor of this church you represent still one of every church. At the word of God, what we teach, preach, Stand on and stand for. People are looking in our church for your life. Yes. That's right, preacher. Oh, yes. Yes, sir. That's exactly right. I've been in these churches. I've been in service. They say, all right, tonight we're opening the doors. And whoever and whatever walks up and they let them on join. What in oh, God's name are we yeah. doing? Oh, yeah. Come on, preach on that. You can't just let anybody there by joining church. I don't all welcome. Come right on. They're all welcome. When it comes to church membership, yeah. there's a guideline that we must follow. Yes. I, I, I would encourage each of you, if you don't know it, once before you leave tonight, there's yes, a sir. picture of that church covenant. Read it. Matter of fact, it's Wednesday night, and I ain't going to read it to you. I've got to get one back here to the blind. Church covenant, are you ready? Yes, sir. Now you sign up for this, and you join. Yes. Having been led. As we believe by the Spirit of God to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior and on the profession of our faith having been baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We do now in the presence of God and this assembly most solemnly and joyfully, joyfully enter into covenant with one another. Remember when I preached the other day and told y'all you're in a covenant here? That's because y'all. With one another as one body in Christ. Listen. We engage, therefore, by the aid of the Holy Spirit to walk together in Christian love to strive for the advancement of this church in knowledge, holiness, comfort, to promote its prosperity, spirituality, to sustain its worship ordinances, discipline, that's part of the church, discipline and doctrines, to contribute cheerfully. Yes, to, to, to contribute cheerfully and regularly to the support of the ministry, the expenses of the church, the relief of the poor, and the spread of the gospel through all nations. We also engage to maintain family and secret devotions, to religiously educate our children, to seek salvation of our kindred and acquaintances, to walk circumspectly in the world, that's Bible, Walk circumspectly in the world to be just in our dealings, faithful in our engagements, and exemplary in our deportment to avoid all tattling, backbiting, and excessive anger, to abstain from the sale of and use of intoxicating drinks as beverage, to be zealous in our efforts to advance the kingdom of our Savior. We further engage to watch over one another in brotherly love, to remember one another in prayer, to aid one another in sickness and distress, to cultivate Christian sympathy in feeling and Christian courtesy in speech, to be slow to take offense, but always ready for reconciliation and mindful of the rules of our Savior to secure it without delay. We moreover engage that when we remove from this place, we will, as soon as possible, unite with some other church where we can carry out the spirit of this covenant and the principles of God's earth. Now that's what you sign up for. That's right. Put your name on it. Are you listening to me? 
We've had a whole bunch of covenant breakers That's that right. left the church and they didn't leave and go into another like-minded body of believers. They leave the right way. We've right. had a whole bunch of covenant breakers. Listen to me. It's not necessarily the covenant just directed here, but it's directed here through and by here. Help me out Sunday night. We simply had some things that are not for sale. We can't sell out. That's what's happened to all these churches. They got tired of the enemy, so they became like the enemy. They got tired of fighting, so they just joined in. Listen, when I started this church six years ago, all God gave me was a word. And you know what I've stayed on ever since that day? I've stayed in by the Word. I've done what I've done by the Word. Our songs are by the Word. Our fellowship's by the Word. Our doctrine's by the Word. What we stand for is according to the Word. What we stand against is according to the Word. My friend, uh, He gave me a Word. He gave me a burden. And everything else that's happened has all been because of Him. In reality, what all the naysayers are actually saying is at some point, just quit fighting and join the world. I ain't doing it. Hear me and hear me well. I ain't doing it. Despite the raging enemies that are coming against me, I've got a plan. And you should have a plan. I've heard this said. Y'all okay? I ain't been preaching that long, I'll tell you. 39 minutes. You watch TV for three hours, don't get up and go to the bathroom. So hold on. Nowadays, I've heard this. Well, brother Josh, things are just different. It's 2021. I mean, it's just hard to serve God the way you are anymore. Can I tell you, it's always been hard to serve God. Oh, you don't believe me, do you? Okay. Let me give you an example. Adam and Eve, who didn't even know what sin was, they couldn't serve God faithfully. Are you listening? Genesis chapter number 6, them boys, they had a hard time serving God faithfully. That's why God got ticked off and destroyed the whole earth. We've always had an excuse as to why it's just too hard to serve God. The time that we're living in has nothing to do with it being hard. It's always been hard. It's always been a battle. May I say, if you're looking for an easy way to serve God in opposition of the enemies that are against you, you will not find it. I don't care who you sit under. I don't care what church you join. I don't care where you sing in the choir. If you are really looking to serve God, you're going to have enemies and there's no easy way around that. But you can be godly before them. There ain't a way to please the world and please God at the same time. You've got to pick a side and have a plan. Now, <clears throat> excuse me. May I say it's here in verse 7 where David says these words, but as for me. In other words, David's not a part of the majority. In other words, he's not a part of popularity. He's not a part of the, of the social status. Are you with me? Everybody in, in, in Psalms chapter 5 has lost their ever-loving minds, but not David. Why? Because he had a plan. He had a plan. May I say, if you've not reached the place in your walk with God that you can honestly say, but as for me, I'm here to tell you tonight, you can do that tonight or you can keep walking the fence. Listen, it's black and white tonight, church. Come on, somebody. It's black and white tonight. You either in or out. You either right with God or you ain't. Is anybody listening? You, I said you either right with God or you're not. Well, I'm, I'm doing. I'm, I'm pretty right, I think. No, then you're not right. You either in or out. Either right or not right. You're either hundred percent committed or hundred percent not committed. 
We need somebody to have a plan. What's the plan? Well, look with me. Verse number 7. I'm going to give you that. I like that but as for me phrase. Can I remind you another place you'll find that? Joshua 24, 15. He said, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwelt. But Joshua said this, But as for me, same words of David, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. How are you, how you going to do that? What's the plan? Number one, David's personal plan was a plan of pursuit. It was a plan of pursuit. He said, but as for me, I will come into thy house. May I say this evening, as the world around him was running from God, thank God David was running to God. How are you going to remain a godly example before your enemies? You're going to have to learn how to be faithful to church. Come on, somebody help me preach tonight. You've got to be faithful to the house of God. He's running to God while the whole world's running away from God. My friend, if you're going to remain a godly example before your enemies, you have got to have a purposeful plan to pursue God. May I say the house of God in itself is not the pursuit. The brick, the mortar, in our case, the metal and the steel is not what our hope is in. But it is in this place. Somebody ought to help me. Where God has showed up time and 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 time again. I say, bless God, I'm going come to the house of God where I know he shows up he'll be here I want to be here because he's here the house of God you ought to pursue it it was not the brick and the mortar but it was what was possessed within it secondly within David's personal plan it's also a a plan of praise how are you going to stand before your enemies with the testimony that you are a godly example must have a purposeful plan, a plan to pursue, a plan to praise. Verse 7. He said, uh, But as for me, I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy. And I, uh, he said, And in thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. Let me say this. David says, In the multitude of thy mercy and in thy fear will I worship. May I say, listen to me, somebody ought to help me and get your hearts focused and your minds focused and realize that you and I cannot approach God outside of His mercy. I don't care how good you live, how many deeds you do, how much you give to charity, how many community service hours you put in. If you do not know the mercy of God, you cannot enter in to give Him praise. The only way we get to where God is is through His mercy. We can't approach God based upon our own merit. We approach Him based upon His mercy. Despite the enemies encamped around about David, he has a plan to pursue God by going to his house, but it don't stop there. He said, not only am I going to go to the place, but when I get to the place, I'm going to praise. One of the greatest ways to be a godly example before your enemies is to praise God in spite of who they are. Let me tell you something that will convict the socks off one of your enemies. Is when they're raising a mortal fuss in your life and all hell's coming against you, they see you lift your hand and sing, God's been good. In my life, I've been blessed beyond my wildest dreams. As I go to sleep each night, 
Though I've had my share of hard times, by my side he's always stood. Through it all, God's been good. Times are playing, I can see. That I've cried some bitter tears. Oh, but I felt his arms around me as I faced my darkest fears. I've had more gains and losses, and I've known more joy than ever. As his grace falls upon me, undeserved, God's been good. In my life, I've been blessed beyond my wildest dreams as I go to sleep each night. Sure, I've had my share of hard times. By my side, He's always stood through it all. God's been good for God has been my father he's my savior and my friend his love was my beginning and his love will be my end and I could spend forever trying to tell you everything he is but the best way I can say it is this God's been good in my life? I've been blessed beyond my wildest dreams as I go to sleep each night. Sure, I've had my share of hard times. By my side, he's always stood through it all. God's been good, cause God has been my father. He's my savior and my friend. His love was my beginning. And His love will be my end. And I could spend forever trying to tell you everything is. But the best way I can say it is like this. God's been good. My wildest dreams as I go to sleep each night. Sure, I've had my share of hard times. By my side, he's always stood through it all. God's been good through it all. What are you saying, Brother Josh? 
I'm trying to tell you, if you're going to be a godly example before your enemies, you're going to have to learn how to praise Him. I don't know where this mentality came from, Brother Shelby, that we come to church to sit on our hands. I need y'all to get with me and stay with me for a few more minutes. I don't know when this mentality entered our churches that we get to come to church and cross our arms and say, bless me if you can. I'm going to tell you tonight, thank God, you may have an enemy, you may have a bunch of them, but one thing's for sure tonight, God's been good to you. And God's been good to me. He's been better to us than we'll ever deserve. If we got what we deserve, we'd all be in a burning, boiling hot hell with our back broke. But thanks be to God, He came by my way. And he came by somebody over heaven tonight. We ought to give praise to his name. It's through and by his mercies that we are not consumed. The Bible said that every day that his mercies are new. And he loadeth us with his benefits. I'm trying to tell you when the clock hits 11.59 tonight, I've run out of mercy. I've run out of grace. But as soon as that many hand strikes 12, they start all over again. I've got a new upload of mercy and a new load of grace and a new load of benefits. Somebody ought to praise His name before your enemies. How are you going to be a godly example? They've got to see when everything's going bad that He's still good. He had a plan, a plan of pursuit, a plan of praise. Let me tell you what's driving this world crazy. They're pursuing what we got. That's right. They're looking for it in a bottle. They're looking for it in fornication. They're looking for it in pills and dope. They're looking for it when they lie and they cheat and they steal. They're looking for what you and I have got and they hate us because we've got it and they don't do what it takes to get it. May I say when you possess the joy of the Lord, you're an automatic target for the enemy. They hate us because of who's in us. But my friend, I'm trying to tell you tonight, just stick to the plan. Keep going to church. Keep praising God. Keep living for Jesus. David realizes that it's only the mercy of God that he is not in the same place of his enemies. Can I tell you the only reason some of y'all is not in a graveyard right now? It's because of his mercy. That's it. The only reason some of y'all are not in a prison cell and you should be right now is because of his mercy. That night you got drunk, got in your vehicle and drove down the road, you're supposed to run somebody over. You're supposed to be charged with manslaughter and murder. You're supposed to be locked in a prison cell. You're supposed to be thrown in the hole. You're supposed to be put on death row. You're supposed to be put in a electric chair. You're supposed to be in a graveyard. And you're supposed yeah. to be in hell. But thank God the Lord looked down and it's for knowledge. And he seen that you would be the one. You would be one of few that would be willing to accept the price that he paid on the cross. He's seen in his foreknowledge. That you would not say no. And he spared your life. And he kept you out of prison. And he kept you out of hell. Somebody ought to thank him. That is mercy. That is new and He had enough mercy to save But he's had that mercy to keep me. I decided a long time ago. I'm going to praise his name for his mercy. He wouldn't have 
He said it's not mercy. That's the only way I can get this place. It's through his mercies. We all have a plan. What's the plan? Pursue him. Go to church. But when you get here, take your shoes off and praise him. That's right, man. You're doing good to it. I said it a while back. They, we used to have some women crankers. What I call them, some women showers. We still do when it gets good and cranked up. But look up in here. It ought not have to get good and cranked up for you to shout. That's right, preacher. Come on, somebody. The fact that you walked in church tonight and wasn't in a mental asylum somewhere, wasn't in a rehab somewhere, wasn't sitting at home and divorced or on drugs, thank God He showed us mercy. We ought to praise His name for His mercy tonight. He's been merciful. Lamentations 3.22, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. We, we as, as Christians, we get, we get so prideful that we're not like the world. Right here we go. We snuggle that Bible up close. Walk through life looking down on everybody. Huh. I can't believe that they would do such a thing. Can we tell you the only reason it wasn't you? His mercy. I can't believe that they would act that way. You want to know why you ain't acting that way? Because of His mercy. That's right, man. I don't know who they think they are to do this or say that. You would have done that or said that too had it not been for His mercy. Listen to me. Your enemies are real. I get that. But they deserve it. I know you don't think that Jesus died for them. But look up in here, honey. He died for them just like He died for you. And He said the putting out of them just like He said the putting out of you. And He said it is finished for them just like He said it is finished for you. I'm sick of the division in
Better have a plan. And here's how you're going to keep yourself godly. You're going to have to pursue Him. But you're going to have to praise Him. You're going to have to praise Him. Thirdly, we see His plan was not just a plan of pursuing and praise, but it was a plan of great perspective. Look with me. I'm about done. He said this, verse 7, But as for me, I will come into thy house, pursuit, in the mercy of thy mercy, in the multitude of thy mercy, and in thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. There's your praise. He says this, though, and in thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. There's your perspective. It is here where David emphasizes how he will worship. Not only that he will worship, but how he will worship and where his worship is aimed. He said, here's how I'll worship. Are you listening to me? Deacon, he said, here's how I'll worship. In thy fear. The fear of God is not you're afraid He's going to take a lightning bolt and strike you down on your way home. That's not the fear of God. The fear of God is to realize how holy He is, how unholy you are, and you're scared to death to let Him down because you know how much He loves you, and you know how much He's did for you, and you know how much He gave for you, and you know how much He gave up for you, and you fear Him because of not just what He's done, but who He is. He said, in thy fear will 